Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Welcome to Women on the Line, a community radio national feminist current affairs program featuring the voices of women and gender diverse people, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Emma Hart. In fact, the more often people don't make it and become pushed back to Belarus, the more intense the situation is, right? So there's kind of just been this like ping-ponging of people from one side to another. Women on the Line acknowledges that this program is produced and presented on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations and that their sovereignty was never ceded. We acknowledge their elders past and present, as well as the traditional owners of the land on which you're hearing us from. This week on the program, we focus on the situation for people fleeing from war on the Polish border with Belarus and Ukraine. More than 1.8 million people escaping war in Ukraine have arrived in Poland since February 24, but not everyone has received the same welcome to the European Union. On the Polish-Belarusian border, people from the Middle East seeking safety in the EU from war continue to be pushed back to Belarus, despite what in some instances can be many dangerous attempts to cross the border. Our guest for this episode speaks about the forces behind this situation, what is happening to the people caught by this border, and what you can do to provide support. I'm from the border of Belarus and Poland, and I have been living there, and as a result of the situation that happened with people moving through from Belarus to Poland, I've begun working alongside other local people and activists to support people on the move. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. So for some background for listeners who might not know, so the east of Poland, which is a member of the European Union, borders onto both Belarus in the northern part of the border and Ukraine in the southern part of the border, both of which are not part of the European Union. So can can you give us some background on what has been happening on the Polish-Belarusian border over the last year? Sure, yeah. So I guess what could be important to notice is that prior to the situation that arose, it was kind of outsourced to Belarus to, let's say, protect that eastern border of European Union. So European Union was actually funding the Belarusian regime to stop unwanted migrants from moving through that region. And what has changed is that Belarus stopped doing that. And there is political reasons for that. So for context, for people who may not know that much about Belarus, Belarus is not a democratic country. It's a dictatorship run by Lukashenko, who has been in power for a very long time, for decades almost. And in the last so-called elections, which are not real elections, which, you know, that has been happening there for a long time, the kind of protest movement against him has grown to a degree larger that has ever been seen. So that's both in terms of people coming out on the street, strikes that were being organised, and also the kind of involvement of other European countries in that situation. So the Tihanovskaya, who is a, a leader that would have likely been actually elected 
if you know if the real results were a lot. She has fled to Lithuania and she has been kind of working with other European leaders. And Belarus doesn't like that. Lukashenko doesn't like that. So they've he actually had begun to threaten Europe with opening up those borders, with kind of letting people come true. That is very similar to the situation that had been happening with Turkey and the kind of relationship that Turkish regime and EU have had in terms of just putting pressure by the virtue of having a lot of control over that border region. So what started happening is that Belarus has eased off their visa applications, let's say, so people were able to arrive from you know places like Iraq or other places in um, in the Middle East or north mm-hmm. of Africa, which has just not been possible before. Um, there's also a lot of evidence and a lot of accounts of companies and individuals that are very closely aligned with the Belarusian regime actually participating in the whole kind of process of people moving through there. So that's in terms of people paying very, very large amounts of money for so-called tours, where supposedly during these tours they, um, I don't know, go on a hunt and, you know, get some special trophy or whatever, whereas the actual payment is for that paying their smuggling route through there. So it was... I think already in June, July, that the numbers of people who were attempting to cross and crossing that border have risen a lot. So for some context, in all of 2020, there was 122 attempts that were recorded. And last European summer, it had risen to hundreds and then thousands a month with sometimes hundreds of people a day. And also what I want to mention is that this has not been a situation that only happened on the border with Poland, but also on the border with Lithuania and Latvia, which yeah, other places that Belarus borders on that are also in the EU. And now the situation has become even more complex because there is also the war in the Ukraine. So how has that impacted this situation? So just in terms of the timeline, the kind of biggest, uh, you know, movement that we had seen between Belarus and Poland was in October, November, December. It had slowed down and and that's largely also just due to winter and winter is really harsh and, you know, people have died on that border just due to exposure to the cold because they're not being allowed in by Poland, right? So largely due to that as well as the fact that it just has become a lot harder because of Poland's response to this situation as well as Lithuania's and other countries. Numbers of people who have been crossing from Belarus to Poland did come down but a lot of people we know are just stuck in Belarus because people have been attempting to cross often you know 10, 20, 30 times Poland has been pushing people back from the beginning. This was not legal at first. Poland legalized that practice in domestic law. So there are less people who have been attempting to cross from Belarus to Poland in comparison to before. Whilst, of course, now there are hundreds of thousands of people crossing from Ukraine. Something that I guess would 
makes sense, maybe in a lot of people's minds, is to change the policy that Poland has towards everyone, especially considering that, you know, the actual numbers of people who are in Belarus and who would try to come to Poland and seek asylum are not nearly as huge as people who are coming from Ukraine. But nothing has changed in that regard. So Poland is continuing the exact same policy that was in place before. In fact, just yesterday, there was uh, there were news of uh, a family from Iraq with, you know, babies, one-year-old, few-year-old babies who have been pushed back to Belarus again. And this is all despite the fact that Belarus is, you know, de facto involved in the war. There are Russian troops who have been moving through Belarus to attack Ukraine. There are likely Belarusian troops who are also being pushed to Ukraine. Belarus has a very, very, very close relationship with Putin and with Russia. And that has been the case, you know, since Lukashenko has been in power. And they have kind of a very joint politics, I suppose. So one could essentially consider Belarus to be at war with Ukraine. And despite of that, the Polish government is not allowing people to pass and is continuing kind of the same politics as before. But obviously the situation on the border of Ukraine and Poland is a whole next like other level. (laughs) And I have not been there myself. I have not experienced that place but yeah what I do know and what I do hear from from people that I'm in touch with is that it's just very very difficult there are just huge amounts of people that are trying to come there's obviously the violence that is occurring on the way there's the problem that exists for people who are not allowed to leave Ukraine so men who are being forcefully conscripted to go and fight so there's obviously Yeah, like a lot of attempts that are being turned back, although that's happening more on the Ukrainian side than the Polish side. But something else that has come up that is unfortunately not very surprising for me is also that people who are crossing from Ukraine are not being treated equally. So Ukrainian citizens are being treated very differently to people who are not Ukrainian citizens, especially people of color, uh, Roma, who are generally one of the most oppressed populations in Europe or queer people or people with disabilities and so on and that's just kind of general Polish vibe is not nice (laughs) it's not full of care for minorities or people who are different it's a pretty racist and xenophobic country and that comes out also in the treatment of people who are arriving from Ukraine there have been accounts of people experiencing I guess, discrimination from the Polish border police guards, but also, unfortunately, from just groups of neo-Nazis that have come around to try and attack people who just managed to cross. I mean, you touched on it a little before, but crossing this border is not straightforward at all. Um, Can you tell us more about the conditions on the Polish-Belarusian border Like what kind of things are people experiencing as they try to make these crossings? So what the border of Belarus and Poland looks like is that actually in Belarus there is an 800 meter kind of space that is empty, that's controlled by 
I suppose, Belarusian border force or something equivalent to that. And, you know, there's no houses there, nobody lives there. It's just this kind of border region. So this is 800 meters from actual Polish-Belarusian border. There's that space and then there's a big fence on the Belarusian side. So the access to that area, as well as out of that area, has very much been controlled by forces on the Belarusian side. So for a long time, people who were brought there were also, like their crossing was facilitated very much by the Belarusian forces, right? This is in terms of cutting fences and gathering people in large numbers and pushing them in like some particular areas or regions because the actual border of Poland and Belarus, apart from the area where it's a river, that's like the southern part of Belarus and Polish border. The rest is just, you know, forests. There's some swampy areas and also villages. So a lot of people live in villages that are directly on the border. Some of those villages used to be, you know, kind of one place that had been cut through when that border was being installed in the first place. And there has never been a fence there. There has never been any kind of actual physical barrier. So obviously, at the very beginning, it would have been much easier for people to make their way through. What Polish government did was immediately putting up razor wire fences wherever they could, immediately stationing, you know, uh, more border force guards, as well as bringing in soldiers and military and like territorial defense um, forces into the region to try to stop people from coming. Women on the Line. On community radio around Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. You're hearing about Poland's response to people fleeing from war in the Middle East as they try to cross into the European Union from Belarus. What they also did really quickly after this started was putting that border region into a state of emergency and creating an exclusion zone. So this was something that they did in order to prevent humanitarian organizations, volunteers, medics and journalists that started flocking to the area from actually being able to be there to observe what is happening and to help people in any meaningful way. So this is also something that obviously had been unfolding and has kind of changed the difficulty of moving through that border for people because the more fences came up, the more soldiers came up to the region, the kind of more and more surveillance tactics also that they started engaging in, the harder it became for people. And what often would happen is that a crossing just does not it just can't happen because people would gather. Sometimes what would happen is that the Belarusian soldiers on the other side take groups of people and, you know, drive them to a particular area and then use flashlights like lasers, stones and make people build kind of like ladders from, you know, trees or whatever that is around and kind of just orchestrate the crossing. But what they also had often done in these situations is actually make a lot of noise because they don't care that people make it. That is not the reason why they're there. In fact, the more often people don't make it and become pushed back to Belarus, 
the more intense the situation is, right? So there's kind of just been this like ping-ponging of people from one side to another. And for a long time when people were, you know, attempting to cross into Poland, if that wasn't successful, if they were immediately being taken back to Belarus to thrown across the fence by Polish soldiers or border force, they would then immediately be picked up by the Belarusian soldiers and would often not be allowed to leave that region at all. So we've had accounts of people who were exhausted, who were sick, who just didn't want to keep on trying, like perhaps wanted to go and hide out somewhere. And people would have to often pay a lot of money in bribes to just get out of this 800-meter zone. So that zone it became referred by people on the move themselves as in numerous ways, but often like, you know, prohibited zone or like the black zone or like the zone where you never want to be. Like it was it was a place of a lot of of a lot of violence that people were experiencing. There was no access there for medics, for humanitarian organizations. That kind of stuff just doesn't happen on the Belarusian side. And we probably have no way of knowing the numbers of people who may have died in that space. What happens later for people who do manage to cross the border with Poland would really depend on the region that that happens in. But some of these areas are very old and very dense forests. The swamps, people, you know, need to generally move through the night as they don't want to be seen, they don't want to be heard, they don't want to be found. They are being actively seeked out, like hunted by <laughs> the Polish forces who are patrolling, who are, you know, sending out helicopters, sending out drones trying to just find where people are and, and doing like kind of these big raids of a certain region, often also using dogs to try to find people. So yeah, so I guess, you know, the the fact that people don't want to be found makes them often use routes that are a lot more dangerous than some others. And that could lots of different things could happen, including coming upon like a very swampy area or a river that you, you know, that people then attempt to cross. People had been found just soaked and pretty much covered in ice sometimes on the verge of dying just due to the fact that they had to move through wet areas in winter because that was the only way out apart from literally moving back towards Belarus. What are people doing to support the people caught at this border? As soon as this all started happening, just before the exclusion zone actually came into place, a lot of Polish organizations that were already working in that space of like migration or supporting refugees had come to the region alongside activists and locals who have obviously for some time been noticing things happening and main kind of aspects of support from on the Polish side was just materially trying to deliver to people or give to people things that they needed, which, you know, was food, water, clothing, because people often just kind of arrived with very little and were needing to go further to try to meet, you know, either a family member or do whatever they were doing from that point on. 
So what happened with the exclusion zone is that only people who live in the region or work in the region or own property there are technically allowed to be there. There are checkpoints in most major ways in and out. There's, of course, ways to get in and out of that region, like it would be impossible to actually stop people from doing it, but mm, there is a limited, um, you know, it, it, it just became harder. So from the point where, I guess, Polish authorities began really actively try to find people uh, in order to throw them out. The work of actually helping people with their material needs was also coupled with, I guess, needing to be a very sneaky about everything, right? And, and needing to hide. It's a bit of a cat and mouse kind of game where people would get in contact with activists or people who are in the region to try to help and say, you know, where they are, where they're hiding at, what they need. And I guess it's often about who will get there first and whether people will be able to get there with, with food, with water, with power banks or with phones, with things um, you know, that, are, that are needed for people before the border force can do it. And what had started happening pretty soon into the whole crisis as well was that the Polish authorities, you know, they got pretty smart about trying to make these crossings as difficult for people as possible and that included things like destroying people's phones, um, you know, checking people's phones so that tracking of those people when they try to attempt to cross again is easier and I guess a lot of kind of improvement in terms of surveilling people's movements had been put in place but also people would often just have the screen smashed, have the charging port smashed or have the like power banks broken or taken away so that they don't have a way to contact anyone that they would be needing to contact after crossing. And so it had become really important to be able to provide people with those sorts of things because it really is a lifeline, like a phone for someone in that situation. It is absolutely necessary. And so there's a lot of work that is just about trying to stop people from dying from exposure to cold, from dehydration, from lack of food or sometimes medical conditions that people arrive with. When it comes to people who, you know, are injured or sick, if they were to call the ambulance, this has happened and it had become apparent that unless the state is so severe that they are very much on the verge of death, they will just be pushed back either immediately or after spending a short time in a hospital. So they're being taken out of hospitals and they're being thrown out again. Um, and this is despite of, I do want to mention that there is a lot of medics, doctors, nurses, just in hospitals in that region who have been doing amazing, amazing work of trying to stop that from happening and often like physically trying to block the authorities from being able to come and take people away. But it has often been difficult, so people generally try to avoid calling for help. And there has been, I guess, other groups, like not government-aligned groups of medics, 
who had at various times come to the region to offer medical help. But because of the exclusion zone, some of them also have had a policy of not entering the exclusion zone because they're still an official organization, for example. They don't want to be breaking these laws. So there is a level to which locals and activists who disregard the exclusion zone laws had also been you know, put in, in a situation of needing to provide medical help for people too. And the same goes for legal help, right? Because unless you're a lawyer who lives in the region, you're not allowed to enter that zone either. And if people do want to attempt to make an application for asylum, that generally just trying to do that does not work. Polish authorities will disregard that. But there had been a process that kind of relied on the European Court of Human Rights, um, where an application can be made to the European Court of Human Rights, um, that then kind of uh, tries to, uh, you know, ban Poland from kicking out a particular person or a group of people. So the kind of legal support around that consists of things like, you know, getting information and accounts from people as to why they're there and then facilitating the application for for that kind of document from the European Court of Human Rights. And people have also been, of course, where it's not unsafe trying to document the situation because this is another kind of aspect of the exclusion zone again. Journalists who are independent are not allowed there. The Polish state television is controlled by the Polish regime that had been, you know, something that happened in the first term that they were in government. They've kind of just put their own people in charge of those, you know, television and radio stations. And everything that is said there is 100% government propaganda, right? So the kind of information that reaches people in state television about the situation is very much facilitated and approved by the government and so very little information about what's happening actually comes out without the help of people who who are around to do that. So if listeners want to try and support people who are trapped by this border, what can they do? Um, well, it is really far away <laughs> and I would like to be able to say that if more of us know about it and if more people in the world are aware of it, things are drastically going to change. But I don't know if I really believe for that to be the case, especially because as we speak also, which is something that I forgot to mention before, Poland is actually constructing a physical barrier on that border, despite of that being an awful, awful thing for people on the move, but also they're doing that, they're putting that wall through one of the oldest European forest that is protected by UNESCO and all that kind of stuff. It's called Białowieża Forest. And, you know, I do think that solidarity and talking about that stuff is important. I think if people are able to support materially, that would also be really, really great because a lot of people who are involved in that work don't have access to a lot of funds, um, you know, are not working for organizations or NGOs or anything like that. And there is a fundraiser based in 
here that people can donate to here in so-called Australia. And you can find that under a link that's tinyurl.com forward slash border resistance. And there's more information about the situation there and an ability to throw some money in. There's also a fundraiser benefit gig that is happening on Wednesday the 23rd at 7 p.m. at Cafe Gamor. And the link to a Facebook event for that would be tinyurl.com forward slash fundraiser for BR. You were just listening to our guests speaking about the situation for people seeking safety in the EU by crossing into Poland from Belarus. For more information and those fundraiser details again, you can visit 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. And that's all for Women on the Line today. Women on the Line is a community radio national feminist current affairs program featuring the voices of women and gender diverse people. This program was produced in NAM, Melbourne, with the amazing support of 3CR staff. A big thank you to them. Women on the Line is broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network, and we greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email to womenonthelion at gmail.com or phone 3CR on 03 9419 If you'd like more information about today's program or to listen to the show again, you can find what you need on the Women on the Line website, 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. The theme music for Women on the Line is by Ripley Kavara. I'm Emma Hart. Hope you can tune in again next time.